1: 877 381 Well, before we jump in, it is Veterans Day. I've had many veterans in my own family. And every year, in honor of Veterans Day, we play the hymns of the various services. So let's start now. The Marines! So we want to thank all of you vets for protecting this great country and the principles of this great country, individual liberty, unalienable rights, the principles in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the greatest constitution man has ever established. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, when you research something as heinous as critical race theory, you will find that those who promote critical race theory detest the United States military. I'm just telling you the truth. These are Marxists. And they believe the United States military has been a force for colonialism and imperialism. And that's why when the Democrats in Congress try to slash the budget of the United States military or freeze it, which has the effect of undermining our forces in the face of communist China, fascistic Russia, Islamo-Nazi Iran, and all the rest, they don't really mean it when they say they celebrate Veterans Day. As the old saying goes, actions speak louder than words, and yet their words are detestable, too. We celebrate the military and our veterans every single day on this program. It's one thing to be an armchair warrior, a radical leftist. It's one thing to burn buildings and beat people and attack cops. In this country, that doesn't take a lot of guts. It's quite another to put your life on the line and defend this magnificent country. And now we have to defend it domestically. The other day, when I spoke, one of these rare occasions, when I give a speech at the Republican Jewish Coalition, people were asked what the greatest threat to this country is. Most of them said China, which is a grave threat to this country. I said the Democrat Party. Because the Democrat Party is doing more damage in such a significant, fundamental, and widespread way to our economic system, to our culture, to law enforcement, and yes, our military, than the Communist Chinese could ever wish to do. They are the greatest threat. Now, before I take a break... Chris Christie's out there. Chris Christie really is utterly useless. You know, when he ran for the Republican nomination, he skipped Iowa. He spent all his money in New Hampshire, and I think he got three votes. He's a blowhard. He stands for nothing. Nothing. So, of course, he does an interview with Axios, which is a left-wing site, and Mike Allen, another reprobate. And they write it up. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, lacing up for a possible presidential run in 2024, told Axios on HBO he won't back down from a fight with former President Donald Trump, taunting his longtime friend for losing the last election. I've never walked away from an argument, no matter who stood on the other side. Mr. Producer, are you there? Invite Chris Christie on this program, would you? Invite him on the program. Obviously not today. Next week, the following week, or whenever he would like. Chris Christie told me, Why it matters, this is the first hand-to-hand combat of the 2024 Republican presidential race. So the hardcore left loves this. This is why they push Chris Christie. He's a loser. He doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell, but they like the fight. Any Republican candidates fear crossing Trump, but Christie who said he still considers Trump a friend. What kind of friend is Christie? Despite their falling out over the presidential behavior during the January 6th riot relishes political combat, Christie got great press from remarks he made last week into the Republican-Jewish Coalition in Las Vegas, but he got a terrible reception from the audience. We argued Republicans need to focus on future fights rather than rehashing the 2020 election, and I've said many times, we better fix what happened in 2020, including violations of the federal constitution, or we won't win. Back got under Trump's skin, he issued a harsh statement Monday saying Christie was just absolutely massacred by his statements that Republicans have to move on from the past. Everybody remembers, Trump added, that Christie left New Jersey with less than 9% approval rating, a record low, and they didn't want to hear from him. Well, Christie had a zinger ready when I sat down with him Tuesday I'm not going to get into a back and forth with Donald Trump, the former governor, told me. But what I will say is this. When I ran for re-election in 2013, I got 60% of the vote. When he ran for re-election, he lost to Joe Biden. Actually, he got 75 million votes, Chris. That's 75 million more than you got in New Hampshire. I'm happy to have that comparison stand up. That's not the comparison. You couldn't get out of New Hampshire. You couldn't get out of New Hampshire. You have no appeal. You couldn't get reelected in New Jersey. Christie said he's made a conscious decision that I want to spend my time combating the policies of Biden and Harris and trying to help Republicans win governorships in the House and Senate in 2022. But that's not what he just did. This is not an argument that I'll walk away from. I think it's much more productive to fight those policies than to fight with other Republicans. So invite him on the air if you would, Mr. Producer. He doesn't like to back down from a fight. And I didn't say I would fight him, but I do want to address him. He said Christie, Christie's uh, approval rating in Rutgers' Eaton poll when he left governorship was 19%. Oh, excuse me. It wasn't 9%, it was 19%. Well, I don't think Trump's disapproval ever reached 19%, except amongst the uh, approval, rather, 19%, except among the never-Trumpers. All right. I'll be right back. Mark In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. Well, another day in the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial and another day of disasters for the prosecution. And so as is typical, the low-hanging fruitcakes, like Joe Scarborough and his ilk, start attacking the judge because the judge has had enough of the prosecution's antics, you know, like violating the Constitution, including the Fifth Amendment. And um, and so... uh, you look at this Kyle Richardson case, uh, Rittenhouse case, and if you're actually a rational human being, who, who doesn't have a, uh, a party in this case, who isn't a special pleader, it is beyond obvious that these charges of murder, at one level or, or another, were outrageous, preposterous. And since these charges were filed in the first 36 to 48 hours after the events, it's not even possible... ...that the prosecution could have had all the facts. And this is what happens. The mob caused the charges to be made. The mob caused the charges to be filed in 36 to 48 hours. Now the mob demands murder convictions. And the mob includes the same media... ...the same media that has its head so far up... ...the Democrat Party's a us, it's not even funny. And then there's LeBron James who tweets out... ...that obviously, and I paraphrase, that the boy the boy, B-O-Y, that the boy, well, it's obviously he really wasn't crying because LeBron didn't see any tears, for which LeBron was correctly ripped from sea to shining sea over the internet. That guy is LeBron James, the biggest putts. the biggest putts. well, maybe Chris Christie is, but they're very close. I'm not done. I'll be right back.
0: Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811.
1: One of the problems we have in this country, and I'm going to address this on Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. I hope you'll watch at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't watch it live, you can always DVR it, by the way. Is the racism and anti-Semitism in the American media. It is significant, it is longstanding, and it is widespread. And it includes the print media and the broadcast media and much of the digital media. So I'm going to go through that. I hope you'll watch it. It's very important in a special edition of Life, Liberty, and Levin. And we're going to have two great guests who are going sit- to assist me as well. And you can see this throughout MSNBC when they have Michael Eric Dyson or uh, John Cape Fear. I know his name. You can see it on CNN each and every day with D. Lemon, among others. But you can see it elsewhere. You can see it with Joe Scarborough and so much of the rest of the... uh, of the boot-marching and boot-clicking media in this country. The corporate media. You have this guy this young man Kyle Rittenhouse on trial and of course Scarborough because he knows he knows who who pays for his uh, his pathetic ratings and his lack of substance. He knows he's on MSNBC and he has to tow the line He's sort of the Chris Christie of MSNBC. And of course he has to racialize this. Now Kyle Rittenhouse is white. He shot Rosenbaum, who's white. He shot Huber, who's white. And Grosskrutz, who's white. But somehow, what took place in those shootings and his self-defense were about blacks. Cut seven, go.
2: If, if Kyle Rittenhouse had been a black guy, had gone up uh, with an AR-15 around his neck and talked to police officers, they wouldn't have been, uh, treated him the way they treated Kyle Rittenhouse. So there we
1: have Scarborough trashing police officers as a group, promoting racism because he just wants to project. And basically, he's the clown in the back row in fifth grade, raising his hand, teacher, teacher, call on me, look at me, aren't I righteous? I'm a white guy, but look at me, aren't I righteous? No, 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 there's not a racist bone in my body, because look, I'm towing the line here. This has nothing to do with race. Now, the riding did, but these specific events, this guy's supposed to be a lawyer. Has nothing to do with it, whatsoever. And yet, for Joe Scarborough, it's about race because if he were a black guy and the police, you know, they would treat him differently because we know how there is, you know, systemic racism among the cops and it just would have been treated differently. Why don't you talk about the facts of the case, you pathetic moron? Because he has to gaslight, that's why. With his dog whistle, his bullhorn, to, quote, Johnny Capehart, cut seven. Continue, please.
2: Oh yeah, cool, great, thanks. Great to have you here in Kenosha with your AR fifteen wrapped around your neck. Yeah, go. Yeah, fun. I, Charles, there's no doubt about it. It's 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 laughable for anybody who would suggest otherwise, and. Now, because police officers didn't stop him earlier, uh, we have some dead, uh, dead people who uh, looks like aren't going to receive justice.
1: That is that is a grotesque, unconscionable statement by this stupid bastard. Some people aren't going to receive justice. Let me tell you who Scarborough is defending. Rosenbaum, who grabbed the barrel of Kyle Rittenhouse's rifle. Rosenbaum, who's prohibited from possessing firearms, who had allegedly sex with a minor, who's a bail jumper, at least two counts of domestic abuse. See, he's the victim here, even though he's the one who chased down Kyle Rittenhouse, even though he's the one based on testimony today who was looking for a fight, who was aggressive at the gas station, who was physical at the gas station, and it was Rittenhouse who cooled matters down, according to sworn testimony today in court. Then we have Huber who's made to look like an angel. It is Huber who used his skateboard like a baseball bat and slammed it into the head Slammed it into the head of Kyle Rittenhouse and then into his neck. Huber, who allegedly also was a domestic abuse repeater, among other things. Then we have Grosskrutz, who confessed on the stand under oath. Who confessed on the stand under oath that it wasn't until he took his pistol, lunged toward Kyle Rittenhouse... Aiming the gun at Kyle Rittenhouse, that Rittenhouse shot him in the right bicep. In each one of these instances, putting all the rest of the static aside, these are clear self-defense cases. Self-defense cases. But the mob in the street is now the mob in the media. It's the mob in the newsrooms. Because Kyle Rittenhouse is white. If he'd been black, he would have been treated differently. Really? seems to me he's been treated very, very poorly by our so-called justice system. Very poorly. Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there, they say. Well, what about the rioters and the arsonists? What about Rosenbaum and Huber? And this guy, Grosskreutz? And his connection to a communist organization—what about that? Never commented on it, ever. Then they trash this judge Bruce Schroeder, who's been superb, absolutely superb. When this two-bit assistant district attorney who wants to become the district attorney—first they bring the charges at hyper speed when you're supposed to wait and gather the facts and make a decision. With multiple counts of murder. In less than two days. They didn't have all the video. They didn't have the FBI video. They didn't have all the witnesses. They didn't have all the information. But it didn't matter. The mob demanded answers. Like the mob now. They demanded punishment. They demanded punishment. This is the problem with the American media. Rather than being sober. Circumspect. Rather than, than doing what the media is supposed to do, we drag in bastards like Joe Scarborough to sit there and play the race card. Because Joe's better, you know, than most other people. Oh, yeah, he's seen the light. He's seen the light. Doesn't believe in due process. Look at this. Trashing the cops. Defending the perpetrators. The perpetrators. Absolutely appalling. And you have to ask yourself, Comcast Cable owns NBC and MSNBC. You know, Scarborough, you look at Joy Reid, you look at others on that network. It's stunning. The amount of racism and bigotry that comes out of that organization on MSNBC. It is stunning that Comcast thinks this is a good thing. Yes, Scarborough, you dumb bastard. That's right, I said it. What are you going to do when we meet? You going to do something tough? You and Christy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The prosecution gets up in front of the jury and says, why were you quiet after your arrest? Were you afraid to tell your story? How come you didn't tell your story? Ladies and gentlemen, you have the right to remain silent. Every lawyer will tell you to remain silent. And so the judge says, wait a minute. We have half a century jurisprudence on this from no other than the United States Supreme Court on more than one occasion. You're trying to taint the jury. You're trying to create a situation, a situation in which the jury's raising questions about a man's constitutional rights. Now, why did the prosecution do that? Because they won a mistrial. Because their key witness got on the stand and, and confirmed what Rittenhouse had said about shooting him. Utterly undermining the prosecution's case. Another occasion, prosecution says, you know, four months after, after he'd been charged, he was at a bar or wherever he was wearing a T-shirt that said, Freedom F or something of that sort. And they they tried to get that in. It's just wait a minute. That's four months after the events. But it shows state of mind. It doesn't show state of mind during the relevant period of time. It's not probative of anything. You're trying to taint the jury. And on top of this, the prosecution defied earlier pretrial orders that both sides had agreed to. But Joe Scarborough says, you know, if he hadn't been white, if he had been a black guy, quote-unquote, gone up with an AR-15 around his neck and talked to police officers, they wouldn't treat him the way they did. Oh, cool. Great to have you here with our AR-15. No doubt about it, it's laughable for anybody if you would suggest otherwise. Well, they never said that to him. They never said it to him. It was mayhem. It was anarchy. It was a riot. Not because police officers didn't stop him earlier. We have some people who, who look like are not going to receive justice. Joe Scarborough. And he's not alone. LeBron James tweeted out something to the effect that the crying that That Kyle Rittenhouse did. He said, I didn't see any. The boy, he calls him the boy. Can you imagine that? The boy. So you can call white people and white kids whatever you want. But if white people and a white kid say that to somebody else, it's the end of the world. You're a racist. This is where we are today. LeBron James is a reprobate, he's pathetic. He's pathetic. You know, there were great athletes of my time. Will Chamberlain. I was a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Richie Allen. Basketball, Hal Greer, Chet Walker. Later, Dr. J, I could go on and on. These were great athletes who respected their fans, who respected the country. Not LeBron James. With his mansions, with his billion dollars, with his Lamborghinis and all the rest, with his servants and his helpers and his security guards, poor guy has it so tough. Rather than giving inspiration to all kids of all colors, rather than giving inspiration to the whole country, he's down for the revolution, don't you know? Joy Behar, a Yenta, a complete fraud who failed at radio on The View. The View. Five yentas going on and on and on. Kind of moron watches that show anyway. Same thing. Same thing. This Kyle Rittenhouse just mocking the guy. Mocking him. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I blame these corporatists that have taken these media platforms and have allowed them to be used by these. By these buffoons and these American Marxists. By these lily white phony liberals. Makes me sick to my stomach. The conga line of Marxist professors that they drag in. Trashing our country. Trashing our history. Trashing our people. And by the way, of all races. Like Winsome Sears, the lieutenant governor-elect of Virginia. Like Byron Donalds, a great congressman from Naples and surrounding area, Florida. And I can go on and on. These media magnates, these corporatists, are a disaster. CNN and MSNBC could not stand on their own two feet, but for the money pumped into these crap, phony, so-called news operations by AT&T and Comcast. Comcast. They don't believe in justice, due process. What if Kyle Rittenhouse was black? What would happen? What would be going on on the courthouse steps, Joe? Who would be there? Who would be there? Sharpton. And who else, Joe? Who else would be there? Defending Kyle Rittenhouse. You'd be defending Kyle Rittenhouse, wouldn't you, Joe? You're such a sleazeball! It's not even funny. I'll be right back. Much lovin'. All right, Joy Behar, yenta, yenta. Here's what she had to say, Mr. Producer. Go. Oh, baloney.
3: <laughs> I, what did you think of the testimony? Well, I know what you thought, Joy. But <laughs> what the rest of you? Well, oh, really? Funny.
1: Three people shot, and Kyle Rittenhouse on trial for his liberty for the rest of his life. So, for the Yentas on the View, this is funny. Go ahead. Yeah. Well,
3: I mean, from what I'm gleaning from this case, the guy goes across state lines with an AR-15. He never went
1: across state lines. But what about Rosenbaum and Grosskreutz and Huber? Did they go across state lines? What about Grosskreutz with his pistol? Did he go across state lines with a pistol? Why were they there on a night of riotous behavior? Go ahead. With well, his mother and some other idiot in the car to defend himself against what?
3: They're having a protest in another state, and he takes it upon himself to go there.
1: Having a protest in another state. They're having a riot day three in a town where his father lives, a town that he's not only familiar with, but he spent a lot of time there. That was the testimony in the courtroom. Joy Behar is a moron. She's not even watching the sworn testimony that's taking place. And that one unchallenged, effectively. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back.
0: He's here. He's here.
1: Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. I'll be on Hannity tonight, nine twenty-five p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you will join us. Um, now I want to circle back. I want to circle back to uh, to January sixth. The media in this country, ladies and gentlemen, is so thoroughly corrupt that I had to write an entire book about it, Unfreedom of the Press. They lie. They lie all the time. They lie all the time about events. But they do more than that, folks. They push an agenda. They push an attitude. They push a narrative. That is what they do. And it's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. And uh, there was an individual, a professor, by the name of Richard Weaver, decades and decades ago, in the 1940s. He saw it coming. He saw it coming. The media had been bad for a hundred years, but the media today is nothing. Nothing like even a hundred years. It's the worst we've ever seen. And Richard Weaver... He quotes author, you've heard of probably, James Fenimore Cooper, who I will quote on Sunday's show. And though Cooper lived before the advent of yellow journalism, he seems to have stated the essential situation with a truth and eloquence impossible to improve upon when he said, and I quote, as the press of this country now exists, it would seem to be expressly devised by the great agent of mischief to depress and destroy all that is good and to elevate and advance all that is evil in the nation. The little truth that is urged is usually urged coarsely, weakened and rendered vicious by personalities. While those who live by falsehoods, fallacies, enmities, partialities and the schemes of the designing find the press the very instrument that the devils would invent to affect their designs. So he was highlighting what would become the media's use of targeted personal attacks on individuals and subjects that defy or resist the trajectory of events and movements from which journalists have become committed and open advocates. This is seen every day, the relentless polemical characterizations of individuals and groups climate change deniers, Trump deplorables, white supremacists, and so forth. Now, Professor Weaver, he observed that the constant stream of sensation, eulogized as lively propagation of what the public wants to hear, discourages the pulling together of events from pastime into a whole for contemplation. Thus, absence of reflection keeps the individual from being aware of his former selves. And it is highly questionable whether anyone could be a member of a metaphysical community who does not preserve such memory. Upon the presence of the past in the present depends all conduct and direct knowledge. There can be little doubt that this condition of the mind is a large factor in the low political morality of the age. In other words, there's no context for anything. Nothing. The whole Marxist thought is the cleansing of history for the purification of future existence. This is me. That is, all that came before must be rejected and destroyed by violent revolution, if necessary, to make way for the Marxist egalitarian society. And so what we see today is a combination of propaganda, pseudo-events, radical social activism, targeted personal attacks, on individuals, like Kyle Rittenhouse, like Winsome Sears, like Donald Trump, and a host of others. And a host of others. And this is what newsrooms are doing. When you look at somebody like Brian Stelter, who's not competent to clean toilets, let alone use one. There he is, he's given a program, and that's all he does. Propaganda pseudo events and personal attacks. Now I do personal attacks against people who deserve it. But that's not a shtick. It's not what I believe in. It's my way of pointing out somebody like a Scarborough who is a liar in so many respects as far as I'm concerned with the way that he intentionally spins and creates And you know it's interesting, this media, this corrupt media, the propagandists, they take no responsibility for the fuses that they light, none whatsoever. They take no responsibility for increased racial tension that they create, they and their Democrat Party bosses and mouthpieces. Or for the increase in crime with their war on the cops. Or the increase in disrespect that people have for the rule of law. And the increase in objecting to such traditions and practices as securing a border, having a balanced budget, and on and on and on. I believe in the First Amendment. I believe in all the Bill of Rights. I believe in freedom of the press and freedom of speech more than anybody in the media on the left who pretends that they do. They don't. They have more speech and a bigger audience than any one of you and they abuse it. They use it to push an ideology. They use it to push an agenda and they use it To draw attention to themselves. Like punks. That's what they do. That's who they are. And by the way. They have a lot in common with athletes. Many of whom do the same thing. Not all. But the LeBron Jameses of the world. Corporatists. Who draw attention to themselves. By bowing down to the American Marxist movement. But these are things that have to be addressed. They are tearing this country apart. They are destroying this country. Nobody should buy another LeBron James jersey or hat, anything. The guy's a bigot. The guy luxuriates in this country and then goes on and on and on. Like somebody's crossed him or something. No, like a whole race of people have crossed him. There's not another place on the face of the earth where a basketball player could be a billionaire. Not one. And this same billionaire who trashes Kyle Rittenhouse for defending himself. And by the way, this Kyle Rittenhouse, he went on the stand. He had the guts to defend himself, even though he knew he'd be up there for hours. On cross-examination by the prosecution, he went up there, he stood his ground, he defended himself, he explained exactly what took place. More guts than LeBron James will ever have. No question about that. This LeBron James, he's not only silent about the slaughter of Uyghurs in communist China, because of their market for sneakers. He defends that government. He defends that government. LeBron James has been specifically asked by Enos Cantor, of the Boston Stel- Celtics to join him. Michael Jordan's been asked specifically to join him in denouncing what the Communist Chinese are doing to the Uyghurs. I haven't heard from some of these Hamas-related groups, or uh, Muslim Brotherhood-related groups like CARE. I haven't heard them making as much of a noise about this as Enos Cantor has. Enos Cantor, remember him? Well, I do. He was on CNN yesterday, calling out the NBA. That would be you, LeBron. That would be you, Michael. And all the others that go up and down the court with all kinds of statements on their shirts. Or their sneakers. Or their press conferences. All kinds of statements about America. Every damn one of them, a gutless coward. Who won't take on the communist regime in China. Who make blood money. Off the slavery and torture. In communist China. ...while denouncing our country for what took place... ...150, 200 years ago. Condemn it, yes. Obsess over it, no. But we have modern day slavery taking place. And these men... ...and they're not alone. One corporation after another in this country. One corporation after another. Not all involved in athletics. See the 1.4 billion people in China... As the great market. And they've invested heavily in it. From Apple to Bloomberg and all the rest. They'd rather attack Donald Trump. It's easier. Or Kyle Rittenhouse. A defenseless little boy. Right, LeBron? A boy. Here's Enos Kanter. Boston Celtics center. Cut 12. Go.
4: If they were really supporting me, they would have put something and out there. He means
1: really supporting me, meaning the NBA. Let's start again at the top. Go. If
4: they were really supporting me, they would have put something out there. They would have you know, they would have put like some kind of statement, or they would they would have put some kind of like, because I told Adam this too. Our team games, you know, the Boston Celtics games are banned in China. And this is unacceptable just because I talk about the human rights violations that happen over there. People think I I do politics. I don't do politics. I do human rights. All right. All right. So So you, I just want to make sure you're not saying the NBA gave you the green light to say this. This is
1: Poor. Fake journalist. Go ahead.
4: Saying that their rules are that freedom of expression is an American right. Or or are you saying they specifically gave you the green light? Exactly so not specifically but just the general commitment to freedom of speech right right yes there is so many athletes so many actors so many singers and so many people who has a platform are speaking out many of the issues out there in the world but when it comes to china when it comes to you know china's communist party they're scared because they care too much about money they care too much about business and they care, they care too much about endorsement deals you know to me uh, the human rights and, you know, saving people's lives it comes, comes first. So that's why um, I wanted to do this uh, project.
1: Mm-hmm. Mr. Producer, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't NBC, don't they have the exclusive television rights, the Olympics in uh, China? Doesn't Joe Bar- Scarborough work for MSNBC, the sister station of NBC? Is Joe Scarborough condemning communist China and what's happening to the Uyghurs, among others, in communist China? Has he done that lately, do you know? I don't know. I don't know. But I'd love to see. In fact, are any of the hosts on MSNBC or NBC condemning communist China? Modern day slavery, modern day concentration camps, or any of them? As a matter of fact, well, NBC, when it covers the Olympics, in communist China, be condemning them. You know, we look back at the 1930s and we say with horror, what happened to these companies? They didn't condemn Hitler. What happened to these athletes? Other than Jesse Owens, they weren't condemning Hitler. What happened to the To the government, FDR, what happened to the media? They weren't condemning Hitler either. And what's happening today in Communist China? LeBron James may go down as one of the greatest basketball players in history, but he will also go down as one of the greatest humanitarian frauds in American history. I'll be right back.
5: Mark Levin.
6: The thing,
1: some some things to remember. Joe Scarborough gets paid millions of dollars for a relative handful of viewers, and the network for which he works is owned by Comcast, as is NBC. This is a conglomerate. NBC, as I understand it, Mr. Producer, do a Google and make sure I'm right about this. If I'm wrong, I'll correct it, has exclusive rights to the television coverage uh, of the Olympics and pays an enormous amount of money for that. Tell me, if it were the 1930s, would NBC be paying an enormous amount for exclusive rights to cover the Olympics in in Berlin in 1936? I think it would. And w- I am correct, okay. And would NBC be silent about the growing atrocities in Germany? I think it would. Would Joe Scarborough be silent and all the great hosts on NBC and MSNBC, Andrea Mitchell? Would she be silent? Maddow. What other uh, Congolano reprobates are there? I think they'd all be silent, just as they're silent today. Are there any hosts on MSNBC? Are there any hosts on NBC? Any. In their newsrooms especially, as well as their opinion shows, condemning communist China, condemning what it's done to Hong Kong, condemning what it seeks to do in Taiwan, condemning what it's done with the Uyghurs, And the Tibetans, and the Christians, not a one that I'm aware of. Has the memo gone out from the corporatists at the top? From Comcast and NBC corporate? Keep your mouth shut, instead trash Donald Trump, trash January 6th insurrection, go after Kyle Rittenhouse, now we know, now we know that's how it works at CNN. With Jeff Motherzucker, we know that Brian Stelter doesn't take a dump without Jeff Motherzucker telling him he can. Same with Fake Tapper, D. Lemon, Fredo Cuomo, and the rest of the frauds, freaks, and phonies that pretend to be journalists but are propagandists at CNN. We know this to be the case. How about at the NBA, other than this brave center for the Boston Celtics? I used to hate the Boston Celtics. You know, I'm from Philadelphia. We're 76ers fans. Not anymore. I like this guy. I like this guy, Cantor. How about the other players? How come only Cantor is speaking out? We're all the tough guys running up and down the court with all kinds of phrases on their shirt. Phrases are cheap. Why don't you stand up to modern day slavery? Why don't you reject? The money you're receiving from the... Yeah!
2: The Mark Levin Show,
1: live and national at 877 381 All right, Mr. Producer, do you have a caller who is an irregular American, a.k.a. a leftist, or do we only have regular Americans, and if we do, to whom shall we speak? Bob, XM Satellite in Wisconsin, a regular American, I understand. How are you, sir?
6: Doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Great show. Appreciate you acknowledging the vets. Of course. I, I haven't heard any mention of our wonderful Democratic governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers. The governor fit right. to deploy troops to protect government buildings, but he did nothing to protect private property or businesses. So, he, you know, he left that to the rioters and the quote-unquote quote vigilantes like Kyle to protect their own businesses and properties. So, You know, what, this could, is very
1: interesting to me. The Democrats almost cheered on the mostly peaceful protests, but at minimum they were silent. Uh, These Democrat mayors um, in some ways helped facilitate this by undermining their own police forces and their own police chiefs. And then the Democrat governor, you're right, of Wisconsin, he got a call from Donald Trump offering him tens of thousands of additional National Guardsmen, and he turned it down. He turned it down. And so people are going to defend themselves. They are going to take matters into their own hands. Ask the rioters. They took matters into their own hands, while other people will take matters into their own hands, too. So this was created by a lack of support for the police, a lack of support for National Guardsmen, who could have protected Kenosha, and the Democrats, to be perfectly honest with you. That's how I see it. And the Democrats... All right, my friend, excellent call. I appreciate it, Mr. Producer. Another, please. Ken, WHAS, our great affiliate, go right ahead.
2: Hello, Mark,
7: good evening. I appreciate you taking my call tonight. You got it. Quickly, let me say this first. Uh, my wife and I, we just love the way you end your Friday show, saying goodnight to your parents and uh, your dogs. Uh, it's it's awesome.
1: Well, thank you. Uh,
7: very touching. Appreciate I mean, we have both lost some parents ourselves, so it's we appreciate it. Uh, what I wanted to mention, um, you know, with uh, this big mouth, Lebron James spouting off and being such a great social justice warrior, he's a he's a fraud and a fake. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting contrast. There was a uh, great athlete in another sport, maybe the, one of the greatest of all time. Certainly one of the greatest hitters of all time, Ted Williams. Yep. And at the height at the height of his career, Mark, you know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, during World War II, and then later in the Korean conflict, five years. He served. He served twice. Yes, mm-hmm. five years, and part of that was during his prime to where if he'd have played those five years, who knows, he might have been able to get close to surpassing Babe Ruth in home run. I
1: mean, think of what he did five years of his prime. Think of what he did even losing those five years of his prime. And you make such a fantastic point. These athletes are paid far more, even considering for inflation. They're paid far more. Uh, They get all these uh, commercials they get to do. They're treated like royalty. And uh, and the athletes of the past, for the most part, were great patriots. They went to war to defend this country. You look at LeBron James and others, it wouldn't even cross their minds to do that. wouldn't even cross their minds.
7: I agree. They trash this country, and there's not another country in the world where they could have the opportunities that they have in the United States, make the kind of money that they make. Nowhere in this whole world... And they should be some of the biggest promoters of this country. And it's just mm-hmm. disgusting to see what comes out of their mouths.
1: You would think so, wouldn't you? You would think that they they are the evidence of a country that uh, that really is a free country where anybody, anybody can rise. I mean, this is something that Frederick Douglass talked about. Frederick Douglass, who had been a and escaped, a brilliant man, a genius man, Brian Kilmeade has written wonderfully about him and Lincoln and so forth. LeBron James hasn't suffered a damn thing. He comes right out of high school, goes into the NBA, is an, is a, is an immediate multimillionaire. Uh, and really, I mean, to try, you should be trying to build unity in the country. You should be trying. You know, I'll tell you a little story. I'll tell the whole country a little story. When I was chief of staff to Attorney General Meese in the Reagan administration, you know who would call me frequently? Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, once he left boxing and so forth, was a really unifying force. He was a remarkable man, he was a great man. He didn't have a racist or bigoted bone in his body. And he spent his time trying to unite people in this country. And he, he was greatly appreciated for it. Now, why did he call me? He called me because he wanted to, and he did this repeatedly, let me know the Attorney General of the United States, Edwin Meese, in the Reagan administration, that he strongly supported our efforts, not just to fight pornography, but child pornography. And... Attorney General Meese would come under attack. Oh, what are we having? The pornography police and the this and that and the other. And he would call and he would say, please tell Attorney General Meese. So respectful, so kind. And he had Parkinson's then. And it took him a while to speak. It was very difficult. He said, please tell him how much he appreciates it. And he sent me a picture of himself in a boxing ring. And you could see he wrote, it was shaky, very shaky. And he said, you don't ever want to be in this ring with me. A joke. Signed his name. And it must have taken him an hour. He drew a little boxing ring. I have it. Maybe I should take a picture of it and post it somewhere. Wrote his comments to me, signed his... That had to take him an hour to do. And then I think of Muhammad Ali. Do you think Muhammad Ali would have said what LeBron James said about Kyle Rittenhouse. If he had something nasty to say, he wouldn't have said anything. And this is the difference. It's the difference between athletes today. It's the difference between people today. It is, it is the, the effort to dehumanize individuals based on their race, based on uh, the beliefs of social circles, whether it's in the media or whether it's in athletics or something of that sort. Common decency... Common decency. And yet this constant racialization, this constant ideological push is so destructive. Marxism is destructive. It is destructive. Racism is destructive, whether it's practiced by black people or white people or other people. It's dehumanizing. And that's why it always leads to horrific things. To horrific things. Where people are not seen as people anymore. They're seen as groups. And groups are viewed as hostile or friendly. Oppressed or oppressors. And this is exactly what's going on right now in this country. And it's being pushed by the media. It's being pushed by the Democrat Party. Any, Anyway, any final words, sir? No, I think
7: uh, you, you summed it up just, just perfectly, Mark, as you always do.
1: Well, I don't know about that, but I, I very much appreciate it, my friend. You take care of yourself. You take care of yourself. I'll be right back. love Still working off my iPhone, ladies and gentlemen. Turns out my laptop is finished. Something or somebody zapped the hell out of the thing. So it won't be till next Tuesday when I have a laptop that's usable. Anyway, my problem, not yours. Mr. Producer, we need... Well, let's do this. Let's go to Don St. Augustine, Florida, the WBOB, the Bob. How are you, Don? That's it. That's
7: it, normal American. And I heard the reference to uh, Ted Williams and uh, doing service during two wars. And uh, I, I get a gulp every time I think about somebody that I consider in my generation. He's a few years younger, but Pat Tillman, absolutely great American. And, I, and it makes me weepy thinking
1: about him today. And by the way, think I am or- be, sir, what do you think he'd say today about Kaepernick and so forth? <laughs> Whoops. What I'll do watch. you think he'd say about Kaepernick today? I think he'd be disgusted by all of, all of this.
7: I think he'd twist him into a pretzel and stuff him down a sewer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, and unfortunately his death was a tragedy. It's a terrible thing. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Let us continue. John Lansing, Michigan, Sirius Satellite, Go.
3: Hey, Mark, thanks for taking my call. Long time listener. I have I drugged my 10 year old and listening to you as well. Thank but uh, just want to call and say, oh, you're welcome. Just want to call and say that it's like the left is bullying conservative Americans now to not even have an interest in defending themselves or the property. You know, I, I think about the couple in St. Louis who got dragged through the sand, uh, Rittenhouse, the officers, um, the, the kids salmon who just got drugged through the mud. You know, but they want to turn a blind eye and just stay McCloskey, quiet. that's the name.
1: That's, that's the couple. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: That's okay. I think about the left. You know, they, they burn down cities. They have Chaz. They're going outside of politicians' homes and threatening them in the middle of the night and their families. And they want to stay mm-hmm. quiet about it. But as soon as somebody from the conservative side wants to defend themselves or their property, they, they lose their mind. And well, let's take a look. You know,
1: look at January 6th where nothing was blown up, nothing was burned, I'm not downplaying violence. I'm just making a point. Compared to Minneapolis, where they burned down a precinct, compared to the shootings and the other violence that took place at the Portland courthouse that took place in a couple of block area in Seattle where people were killed, look at what takes place in New York with threats from Black Lives Matter that there's going to be violence, if the new mayor dares to pull together this, this uh, police unit that was used to try and preempt the criminal activity and so forth. Look at that. And yet January 6th, there is this Nancy Pelosi Select Politburo of a number of Trumpers and leftists, including Adam Schiff and Liz Cheney. She's thrown in with that crowd. and look at, And look at how President Trump is treated with all the subpoenas and so forth. No interest in getting to the bottom of what took place in any of these cities. Billions and billions of dollars of damage, the assaults, the uh, the brutality, um, nothing. Nothing. Congress has done literally nothing. The Democrats have done literally nothing.
3: So I get your point. I really do. You know, All right? I, I tell my son, like I said, he's 10. I tell him, you know, it's going to be up to you to pass on what really happened now in the future because the way the media social media big tech controls everything what's really happening and what's really happened is not going to be what's reflected in the history books when he has children and i told him i said it's your job to pass on what's really happening to your kids so they can pass it on and they can say this isn't right
1: well i fear what this country is going to be when this generation is gone and when our kids and our grandkids uh, are uh, populating the majority of this, uh, of this country. I fear what they're going to confront, because you can see the deterioration of the rule of law, the deterioration of the borders. You can see what's happening financially and economically, the endless racism that's being promoted by the media, by athletes, the attack on our own founding. I mean, if you don't support the founding of a country, you're not going to support the country. I worry about it. I worry about internal uh, violence and civil war, Because that's where the Marxist Americans are pushing us. That's where they're pushing us. That's where the media are pushing us, quite frankly. At least that's what I believe. Thank you for your call, my friend. Excellent call. My best to you and your family. Who's next, Mr. Producer? What was the name? Thomas in Tennessee, XM Satellite. Go right ahead, please. Memphis. Wait a minute. W-R-E-C, Thomas in Memphis. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark.
3: Yellow. Yellow. Navy veteran. Um, Thank you, sir. And I'm just trying to wrap my my head around something um, with this sham of a trial that's going on in Wisconsin. Um, But the least of his charges is uh, a minor in possession of a dangerous weapon. If you could just please explain, how could he be charged, you know, minor in possession, but also be charged as an adult?
1: Well, that's interesting, isn't it? But apparently, you can. At the time, he was a minor in possession of the weapon. But that's a point that's well worth making. You see, every one of these uh, situations is based on state law. I am not that familiar with Wisconsin uh, criminal law, quite frankly. If you ask me about Pennsylvania, or Virginia, I could tell you right off the back of my, right off the top of my head. But it's a very interesting question. So I don't know. But apparently, he can. Otherwise, I think his defense would have raised it already. All I say is he shouldn't have been charged with anything. Period. Thank you for your call. Very good call. We'll be right back. July 2, 1915, a former German professor at Harvard, Erich Münter, planted a package containing three sticks of dynamite in the Capitol near the rear reception room. The explosive detonated around midnight during a time when the Senate had been on recess. An on-duty Capitol Police officer was nearly knocked out of his chair during the blast, but fortunately no one was injured. The German-born man later wrote a letter to a Washington, D.C. newspaper saying he had planted the explosive to protest U.S. wartime aid to Britain and said he hoped the detonation would make enough noise to be heard above the voices that clamor for war. He then traveled to the home of J.P. Morgan in Long Island, New York, and shot the financier. Morgan's wounds proved superficial, and he survived. Munter was soon captured and detained in jail, where several days later he died by suicide. History.com On March 1, 1954, four Puerto Rican Americans fired guns in the House of Representatives, injuring five congressmen. They shot five congressmen. The attackers said they acted to demand independence for the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico. The injured congressmen survived, and the four shooters received prison sentences. President Jimmy Carter commuted one of their sentences in 1977 and granted clemency to the other three in 1979. On March 1, 1971, a bomb exploded in the Capitol building. While the explosion did not injure anyone, it caused some $300,000 in damage. A group by the name of the Weather Underground claimed to be behind the bombing, and that would include Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, by the way, two extremely close friends of Barack Obama. They said it was in protest of the ongoing U.S.-supported bombings of Laos. Thirteen years later, on November 7, 1983, a bomb tore through the second floor of the Senate wing of the Capitol. The device detonated late in the evening and no one was harmed, but it caused an estimated quarter of a million dollars in damage. A group calling itself the Armed Resistance Unit later claimed responsibility for the attack, saying it was in retaliation for military actions in Grenada and Lebanon. Seven people were eventually arrested in connection with the attack. Political causes aside, individuals have committed acts of violence on Capitol grounds through the decades, including 1890, fatal shooting sparked by a feud between a reporter and a former congressman, 1998, fatal shooting of two Capitol police officers in 1998 by a man who claimed the U.S. was plagued by cannibalism and fictional disease. There were no shootings in the Capitol on January 6th, except by a Capitol Police officer who blindly shot an American veteran, reeling in cold blood. She wasn't armed, she wasn't doing anything violent at all. She was among a group of people wandering around the Capitol building, some of whom we now know, thanks to the forced release of some of the video, were waved in by the Capitol Police. Nobody shot any congressmen, as occurred in 1954, or shot any Senators. In fact, nobody has been charged with even f- shooting a firearm in any way at the ceiling, at the floor, or to make noise. Nobody has been charged with using a sword or a knife, and yet that's an insurrection. Because the Democrat Party and the media want it to be viewed as an insurrection. And because the never-Trumpers wanted to be viewed as, a never, as an insurrection. And having now pushed the narrative insurrection, they want you to believe that Donald Trump was in charge of the insurrection. That he personally led the charge on January 6th. And they try to glue all this together because he had a lawyer, good man, a friend of mine by the name of Easton, who argued a legal theory that the Vice President of the United States could in fact refuse to accept some of the electors from some of the states where there were disputes between the state legislatures and the governor and so forth. It's not a completely crackpot theory, you know. Or that uh, There were people who were being encouraged, perhaps, to challenge the outcome of the vote. Never been done in history, now has it? And so what the committee is trying to do is piece together a rather bizarre, but, but but a position the media will certainly chew up and the phony historians, which is that by pushing to challenge the election, by calling it a fraud and such things that it was Trump who created the environment, you see, for this insurrection which was not an insurrection and which Trump did not create. There's some question of whether the FBI had an extensive role in it and you're not allowed to ask that question. This committee will not be investigating that. That's why I call them Stalinists and I call this a Stalinist committee. Because they're using many of the same tactics as Stalin did and Stalin would. Now, with this in mind, I would like you to listen to. First, let's, uh, Mr. Uh, Producer. First, let's go to uh, cut six. This is Carl Bernstein, who a uh, Watergate fame, and yet he was the junior partner who did almost nothing. I think uh, Woodward did most of the work. And even he didn't have to work that hard. It was the deputy FBI director leaking all the information to them because he wanted to be the director and he wanted to knock out the people that Nixon wanted. Wow, imagine that.
2: Cut six, go. Let's look at what's happening here. We are talking about a conspiracy like no other in the history of the United States to undermine an
1: election. Oh, bull crap. What do you think Al Gore was doing in 2000? To undermine an election. What do you think the Florida Supreme Court was doing? To undermine an election. What do you think the Pennsylvania Supreme Court was doing in this last election? To undermine the election. What do you think Mark Elias was doing with all this hundreds of millions of dark money to change the election rules in one important state after another? That's not an insurrection? What do you think Russian collusion was? You big fat slob. When you were pushing it, when the constipated news network, you're working in exactly the right place. When they were pushing and all the media were pushing it. What do you think about that? Was that an insurrection? Or the effort now by the Democrats, and only the Democrats, to change our government, to change our economic system, to attack private property rights, to have an unconstitutional wealth tax, to have open borders in violation of federal immigration laws. What do you call that, genius? Go ahead led this conspiracy by the President of the United States. There you go. There you go. This man is unhinged. Sounds like Chris Christie. Sounds like Liz Cheney. Liz's new friends. It was led by the President of the United States. The man has no evidence whatsoever. So why does CNN put him on? Why does ATT, t which owns CNN, Provide a platform for such a buffoon. For such a, a liar. He lied all throughout Russia collusion. He's a hack. He's obsessed. And yet AT&T, and many of you pay at and a lot of money every month. AT&T subsidizes this. Who subsidized this? Then there is Paul Bagala. Rush used to call him the forehead. Because you have to admit his face and head are quite distorted. But it's between his ears that are problematic, I think. Low IQ, heavy on the wet sponge. Nonetheless, he's on with fake tapper, fake tapper, who hates Donald Trump, should recuse himself, but he won't. And the Republicans who quote-unquote support him. And so he asks phony questions. He makes statements and puts question marks at the end of them. To an objective analysis, or excuse me, an objective analyst, Paul Begala.
3: Cut five, go. So Paul, uh, former
0: President Trump just teased a 2024 run uh, to Fox saying, quote, I think a lot of people yes, will be Paul. very
3: happy, unquote, with his uh, decision. Yes, Paul. Um, How does this affect the Republican Party? All right, stop. Well-
1: what a question. How profound, very piercing. How does this affect the Republican Party, Paul Begala? You ball for the Clintons. How, do, how does it affect the election for the Republican Party? How come nobody ever asked me, how does this affect the Democrats and the election for the Democrats? Wow, let's go to Paul Begala for an answer. A real analyst. Go
3: ahead. Uh, he, I think he's going to run. And that's not just me from the outside. Sure. Talk to people close to Trump. They say it's close to 100% certainty. That he's going to run. Uh, That's going to chill, I think, any other, many other Republicans from getting in the race. And it's going to further solidify uh, what was once a great political party. It's now become a a political death cult of personality around Donald Trump. Oh, really? Really?
1: You slobbering all over Bill Clinton? You slobbering all over Hillary Clinton? A death cult? You're so stupid, but that's why you're on with fake tamper. Fake Tapper, you do know, fake, that you have no ratings whatsoever? You know the prime time on CNN isn't prime at all? They don't even get a million viewers. They don't even get a million viewers. All these guys should be sent out, you know. They should be sent out and be put in charge of sonograms and airport radar. Well, not so much airport radar. Because more people are viewing that than are viewing them. The death call at CNN.
3: Go ahead. And I, it's lamentable for the Republicans. It's dangerous for the ah. Country. Shut up,
1: you idiot! I'll be right back. Much love in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have Bill O'Reilly with us tonight. Bill, how are you, my friend? You no, know, I'm confused. Uh-oh. I'm calling you for advice. Can you <laughs> imagine that?
2: I'm calling Levin for advice. Well, I
1: want to give you advice. Wear a neck brace. That's what I yeah, tell so, her about uh, you about your yeah, legal advice.
2: I'll, I'll get the neck brace, but, you know, i got these four shows, the Trump-O'Reilly history tour, always Trump first, um, two in Florida, two in Texas, and it is all about history. And I'm trying to whittle it down because there's so much that people don't know about what happened those four years so i'm I'm asking you Uh if you were interviewing donald trump Uh what are the two areas of the history of it all what he did or did not do that you would
1: spotlight first of all if you've got so much make it six shows i think that would be great i might might do that but we're, we're kicking with four
2: Um, and we're going to, you know, and they're really doing well, so there may be others. Um, But, you know, if this is a phenomenon, which it looks like it's shaping up to be, sure, we'll do more.
1: Well, I think China is one big area, because, let's be honest, Donald Trump was a leader in warning the United States and the world about what communist China was doing, what it was up to, and he really took some gutsy steps you know, members of Congress yak about it all the time. Past presidents did, too. But he really put his foot down. He took some very gutsy steps against China. And I think people can learn a lot about that.
2: Yeah, I'd like to know what she is like as a human being as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you dealing with an automaton here? Or are you dealing with somebody you can reason with? That's a good line of questioning. What else?
1: And then I think another one that people are interested in is the border. I mean, he took steps that were challenged legally. He was fought in the courts by the Democrats and by members of the, I guess, Congress, and he won. And I even remember a so-called legal experts, Bill, um, saying that he can't move the money around the way he wants to move the money around. And I was looking at it, and I said, this is done all the time. But they said, no, no, no. They were all over TV. And he and his lawyers were right, and that's how they got four or five hundred miles of the wall.
2: You know, I and mean, i tell you something I don't think you know, um, and I haven't been able to confirm it and he won't confirm it privately with me, but he might in the the history show when he's on stage, the reason he got the Remain in Mexico policy where the Mexican army actually helped the United States stem the tide of the migration was that he was considering designating the drug cartels as terrorist groups, Uh. and that if he had done that, united states forces could have gone to mexico and killed them and we could have droned them and obrador did not want that to happen because it would have been an embarrassment for him Mm -hmm. and i think that's part of the deal so i am going to get into that area very specifically but you can see what this is so it's his four years in government were so fascinating to me as a historian as you know i've sold 19 million books. Good God. Um, almost as many as you. No, more. Um, and I'm a history slash journalist, and I'm trying to get information to the American people that the networks, New York Times, Washington Post, would never report. They wouldn't report it because they didn't want to acknowledge that Donald Trump did anything good.
1: You know, I study a lot of history, particularly American history, and you really are a good historian. Weren't you a history teacher or something at one time? I
2: was. I taught I taught high school in Opelokka on Senior Pace, which ironically is about 9 miles from the FLA Live Arena in Sunrise, Florida, where we will be will open there on December 11th. And, uh, you know, my history days uh, in college and teaching uh, really shaped all the rest of my career. And, as you know, if you know American history, then you know a lot more about what's happening to you personally Mm -hmm. in this country. And that's why guys like you and me were so outraged or are so outraged. That we just can't get honest news coverage anymore. People just don't know what's happening. And it's just outrageous.
1: I want my audience to know something. You and I used to go at it pretty good. But we've gotten to know each other. Which is really good. And I want the people to know you're really a good guy. You're really a sharp guy. You know this business, you know, broadcasting like nobody else. Even Hannity will tell you that. And so I, I am very, very glad that we're able to communicate like this and support each other and so forth. And it's absolutely necessary given the times these days, Bill.
2: I agree 100%. You have to have now an alliance of people who want to tell the truth about what's happening in our country. And even though we don't agree on everything and then we come at it from a different point of view the American people are served by having a number of places where they can go and know they're going to hear what's really going on. And I think that was the
1: detente
2: between you and
1: me. Mm -hmm. Bill, can you hold on? I'd like to carry over here.
2: Oh, sure. be happy to.
1: And we want to know where people can go to find out where the president and you will be. And we will be right back.
0: Live him, America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877 381
1: So we're on with Bill O'Reilly. Bill, so let me get this straight. You and President Trump are going to four different locations for uh, for live events?
2: Yes. Uh, we'll open up in Sunrise, Florida on December 11th, Saturday. And I hope you'll be my guest to that show if you're down there. Um, Give me that date and again. Then
1: we'll What? December 11th, I'm sorry?
2: Yes, December 11th, Saturday. That's the first show. And then we'll go up to Orlando on the 12th Sunday at the Amway Center, where the, uh, the Orlando basketball team plays. And then next weekend on the 18th at the Toyota Center in Houston and the 19th at the American Airlines Center in Dallas. So these are huge venues. Um, we've sold almost 30,000 tickets already. Wow. They make great Christmas and Hanukkah gifts. I mean, if somebody ever gave you a ticket to these shows, you'll be their best friend forever Mm -hmm. because I can tell you after the two hours and 20 minutes, you're going to know more about your country uh, than you could learn in five years. And it's going to be entertaining. I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, I'm there. He's there. Anything (laughs) could happen. So, you know, we're very pleased. I'm very pleased. My production company putting it on um, and the whole thing. And again, if you're down in Florida on December 11th at uh, Sunrise Lauderdale, I hope you'll come and be my guest. Let me see what
1: I can do. Seriously.
2: Yeah, Um, that'd be fun.
1: Now, I'm just writing this down. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, Will the press be there by by invitation or no? No press.
2: Good. Um, We are going to videotape all four shows for archival purposes, and I will use some of those clips on BillOReilly.com, my no-spin news. And on my radio, we have 300 stations across uh, the country. In fact, you lead into me at our flagship station, WABC in New York. Um, so it's a Levin O'Reilly, uh, thing and we'll use some clips there.
1: Sounds like a and law then, firm.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what, if you hired us, you'd be in good stead. And then I think this was the reason that and it took me a while to convince Donald Trump to do this. Yeah. But I said, look, you're going to have, um, about eight hours of tape. Uh, cause he gets the tape as well. I get the tape. He gets the tape uh-huh. and you can use that any way you want. And, you know, in our discussions, and I don't think he would mind me telling you this, I keep telling him, if you're going to run for president again, you've got to change. You've got to run on your record. You've got a record. And specifically, when you put it up against Biden and the Democrats, my God,
5: yeah, you killing.
2: don't need, you know, the mean tweets anymore. Not to say that you don't do that sometimes. Okay. But that's not the centerpiece. You're personality isn't the centerpiece. It's what you did for the country. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh, I think that should be first and foremost. Absolutely. Because, uh, because if he has a hell of a record. What's
2: yeah, that? if he did that, he'd win. I think he'd so. Win. I mean, see, it's the independence that, look, in your state, Virginia, Young can won because of independence. Mm-hmm. You're not going to change the minds of the left-wing loons. They're going to stay crazy. And Trump's base is not going to abandon him. You need to persuade the independents to break big, as Youngkin did, and that's what Donald Trump would have to do should he
1: choose to run again. And what does he say when you tell him that?
3: Yeah, you know, he
1: doesn't
2: push back on it. Mm -hmm. But I think that you know he
1: is a man
2: that is so used to, um, if somebody hits him, he hits back. Mm -hmm. And it takes discipline not to do that. So, I'm not sure he has that discipline, but it is a big prize at the end of that rainbow. You know, four more years of Donald Trump, the deal maker, and that's why he was a successful president, he made deals, okay, would bring the country back because we are in a very, as you know, and you analyze every day, Mm -hmm. disastrous situation right now after 10 months with Biden.
1: Look at the things they're finding out, Bill, about this Russia collusion stuff and Hillary Clinton. It's It's unbelievable.
2: And the corruption level, my new column on Bill dot com is called corruption. So what you had was you knew that the press, no matter how fictional the charges against Donald Trump were, was not going to check anything out. They were just going to run with it. Is a reporter at the New York Times named Maggie Haberman Mm -hmm. who did more than a hundred anonymous based anti Trump stories Mm -hmm. and got a Pulitzer Prize. And everything she printed was false. She didn't give back the prize. The Pulitzer Committee didn't say, hey, you got to give it back because it was all BS. And this is corruption when you have a political party partnering up with the corporate media to destroy a Republican presidential candidate and mm-hmm. then a president. That's mm-hmm. corruption. And getting back to the history, I think that's the worst political corruption ever Amen. in this entire republic.
1: All right. So one more time. Where, where, if people want to find you, tell us all the places they can find you.
2: Okay. So this is an easy situation. The Fort Lauderdale, Florida show is Saturday, December 11th, Orlando Sunday, December 12th, Houston, Saturday, September uh, 18th, December, 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 and Dallas, December 19th, Sunday. Ticketmaster, all the separate arenas, but if you really want an easy gig, go to BillOReilly.com. We put you right over to the box office whatever show you'd like to go to and it's going to be a blast
1: it sounds terrific Bill I want to thank you very very much keep up the battle my friend
2: thanks for having me on Mark I really appreciate it
1: you bet and you take care of yourself you know Bill mentioned WABC WABC is where I started that's what I call the mothership and the other day for the first time I got to speak to the man who owns WABC John Castamides He is a great guy. He is a funny guy. He is an engaging guy. And so I think he owes me dinner, or I owe him dinner. One of these months, I'll get up there to New York. Nice, thick, well-done steak with ketchup. That's all. Is that asking too much? I don't think so. I don't think so. But he's a really good guy. Again, for the first time, I got to uh, talk to him and... uh, it's just terrific. Some of you are saying, I cannot believe that you and Bill talk to each other. Well, things happen. I can't predict these things in advance. Things happen. And that's one of the things that has happened. All right, Mr. Producer. Give me a patriotic American, please. XM Satellite, Vero Beach. Richard, how are you, Richard. Hey, good evening, Mark. I'm doing
0: great. Really excellent to talk with you. I just wanted to mention about a year and a half ago, you talked about the direction of our country and how worried you were, and I'm sure you didn't think it was going to be this bad. The other thing, if I could get in, was uh, a basketball player from from the Celtics, uh, Turkish descent, and I'm Armenian, so you obviously know that uh, uh, the genocide... uh, uh, Hitler got his courage to do what he did to the to the the Jewish people because nobody did anything about that genocide. But having said the that,
1: Armenians were slaughtered, how, um, you're absolutely right. Go ahead.
0: Amazing how a Turkish a Turkish born uh, basketball player now living here has to be the one to speak out
1: mm-hmm.
0: against the uh, atrocities with the with the Uyghurs and the Muslims. And the last thing, if you don't mind, your
1: by the way, he he is. He can't really travel overseas. And Ara- Aragon would love to get a hold of this guy. And you know and uh, ruin him, destroy him, kill him even. Go the last ahead.
0: Thing, if you don't mind, you mentioned that story about you and your dad when you were maybe 20 undergraduate going to DC meeting with Senator is it is it Laxalt? Paul Laxalt. Correct. Son is gaining Yes, and now his son is gaining momentum. They say that's going to be His grandson.
1: Tough. Correct.
0: Oh, okay, grandson, great. But, hey, thanks for everything. And, you by know. the way,
1: Adam Laxalt is terrific. He would be a tremendous senator, absolutely tremendous, and he would serve the interests of Nevada. not like the radical kook who, uh, who's in there now, who might as well go and run for Nancy Pelosi's seat when she's thrown out a speaker in uh, San Francisco. All right, my friend, thank you. I shall return. Much Lovin'. mind you of my podcast. You need to download the app, first and foremost, and this is how you do it. It's three very, very easy steps. Even a kook like Joe Scarborough can do it. You go to marklevinshow.com, that's the Mothership website, click on Audio Rewind at the middle of the top of the homepage. That'll take you to the podcast page, and then pick the podcast platform you want. Most people pick Apple Podcasts, but there's Google, Stitcher, whatever you wish. And I also want to remind you that this weekend and every Saturday going forward, you can download my Best Up podcast, which is brand new, to hear great highlights and insights that you need as we take back America from the whack job, American Marxists, that are ruining this country. And you can listen on Apple or whatever you wherever you get your podcast. And it'll be placed there at 8 p.m. Eastern Time every Saturday night. 8 p.m. Eastern Time every Saturday night. We just provide it as an additional uh, piece of uh, content for you to listen to. Uh, Mr. Producer producer Rich goes through it very thoroughly. We try and pick the best of the best and package it together for a program for you. So 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the podcast. Those of you who already have the Mark Levin uh, podcast, uh, it pops up automatically. So those of you who don't, you need to get the podcast, and then you can enjoy it and listen to it. 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturdays, this Saturday, and every Saturday thereafter. I think you're going to really enjoy it. We put a lot of time into it. I know you're going to enjoy it. All right, Mr. Producer, to whom shall I speak other than myself and the voices in my head? XM Satellite, Bob, in Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan, that is the home of Talib.
6: Go right ahead, please. Yeah, I'm a Vietnam veteran, by the way. Thank you, my friend. And, God bless. And, and you're the great one. I had the uh, privilege and, and the honor of uh, being able to send my granddaughter to Hillsdale College on a full basketball scholarship. Wow. And she, she graduated. And, and I made 100 trips to that campus, and that's, the, that's one of the most wonderful places on earth. The students are friendly. They smile at you. They respect their elders. Uh, The learning is just unbelievable in that college.
1: It is a fantastic campus, fantastic facilities. The content is unbelievable. The faculty and, of course, it's all led by the great Larry Arn. You're exactly right. It's it's like the kind of schools we used to have.
6: By the way, she's the uh, all-time career leader in three-point shooting. Really? Can you tell us her name? Uh, Britney, Britney, Brittany,
1: that's terrific, terrific.
6: Yeah, uh, and, and she had over a thousand points. Wow, in her career. No wonder she got a scholarship. Yeah, and uh, she she took advantage of it. She's she's going to get her doctorate degree now. In what? In kinesiology.
1: I don't even know what the hell that is, to be honest with you.
6: Well, that that's rehabilitate muscles and and uh, oh. and accidental that type thing, uh, you know, physical therapy. That's very cool. Yeah. Now, so, does she uh, do that there? does she, she, she go to another school? Yes. No. She she got uh, she took kinesiology at, at Hilldale. Yeah. And she, she got a lot of the preliminary work done there.
1: So you're very proud of her, no doubt about that, and you should. Oh,
6: be. absolutely. And, and I bet she's proud of you. Fa- fairly small. Yeah. Their classes. And by the way, when you when you eat breakfast, rice krispies, try uh, raisins with it. Besides bananas.
1: Raisins. No. No. You can't eat raisins, you have to eat currants Aren't you aware of this?
6: Oh, okay, currant. that's fine
1: No, I didn't know what the hell a currant was So I married <laughs> into a family that says You can't eat but, raisins, you have to eat currants But I, I eat rice What the hell's every... a currant? What's that come from? Can you tell me? I know raisins come from grapes Grapes, yeah What does a currant come from?
6: I, I think from the grape Is that from a grape too? Yeah, I believe so, yes
1: Okay, you know more than I do. Congratulations. Yeah. I don't but, really follow uh, I'm
6: looking stuff. forward to reading your book.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, do you have one? No. Would you like one?
6: I, absolutely. I, I, Even though we've I'd stopped signing
1: them, you're a vet. You serve the country. The timing is right. Don't yeah. hang up. We're going to send you a signed copy, Mr. Producer, make sure. So don't hang up, my friend. Thank you. We have one minute left. I want to remind you, literally in 30 minutes, at 9.25 Eastern Time, I will be on the Hannity TV show. He is having the mother of Kyle Rittenhouse. It's an exclusive interview. The defense has rested. Next week, the court gets together to go through the, uh, the processes uh, for providing the, uh, the jury with directions and explaining the law to the jury. Uh, and uh, so it's it's still a very uh, poignant time at that trial. So you won't want to miss Hannity starting in about five minutes, and you won't want to miss me for sure, starting in 30 minutes at 9:25. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And happy birthday to Leo Strauss. That is my late father-in-law. Wonderful, wonderful patriot. I will see you tomorrow.